Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. For free resources and free messages, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Moses' wife did not agree that a baby should be circumcised. And the world finds the circumcision wrong. April 2012, a German court in Cologne indicted Rabbi David Goldberg for the crime of circumcising a baby, and he faces a prison sentence. The CDC reports that 20 years ago, about three-quarters of the male babies in the U.S. were circumcised, and today only half are despite the fact that circumcision has been shown to reduce diseases. So why is there such a protest over the circumcision? Because we're talking about an eight-day-old baby, an eight-day-old baby boy. And a man looks at the eight-day-old baby boy, and man does, and says, you know, perfect. He's perfect. He's a perfect baby when he's born in his most pure, innocent, natural state. And God looks at the same eight-day-old baby and says, not perfect. He's not perfect in his natural state. Something in his flesh is not perfect. Something must be cut away. And man looks at himself and he says, perfect, perfect, me, perfect. I'm perfectly born. If there's anything wrong in me, it's because of, you know, it's the Officer Crumkey's song, you know, <laughs> because everybody did something bad to me. I'm not a sinner. Sinner, no, what do you talk about, sinner? Don't talk like that. I'm not a sinner. And God looks at a man and says, no, you're wrong. Not perfect. You are not perfect in your natural state. John 3, 5 through 6, Jesus answered, verily I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. What's born of the flesh is flesh. It's born of the spirit of spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Psalm 78, 39, they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. So God looks at man in his most natural state, the eight-day-old baby, and he says, not perfect. God looks at man in his most natural state, and he says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what God is requiring Abraham to do by circumcising the flesh is to agree with God that there's something wrong with man by the way he's born. There's something wrong with him when he's born. And the outward circumcision is only a token. It's only a sign or it's a symbol, as we said last week, of an inward issue. So when Abraham agreed to the circumcision, Abraham was agreeing with God over an inward issue. There was something wrong with man the way he was born. And that something that's wrong is called sin. Man is born in sin, as David said in Psalm 51.5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And no one is going to come to God for salvation unless he believes that there is something wrong with him, deeply wrong. There's the sinner in his core, he was, he, the way he was born. And the circumcision is a sign where the parents agree with God, and they say, yes, there's something wrong with us from birth. Circumcision is a sign where the parents say that they agree with God, And when God says in Romans 5.12, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passes. 
upon all men for that all have sinned. You can't get a more clear sign that you agree with by one man's sin and into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for all have sinned, than to cut away the part of the flesh of an 80-year-old baby boy. Circumcision is an acknowledgement that there's something wrong with the way man is born. And that's not God's fault, as many people say. That's God's fault. It's not. The Bible doesn't say, as by God, sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. The Bible says, as by one man, one man, sin entered into the world. So the problem with the way man is born is man's fault. It's 100% man's fault. It's not God's fault. And circumcision is an outward testimony of the human corruption that leads to death. And baptism is very much the same thing. Going down into the water is an outward testimony of the human corruption that leads to death. And circumcision is an outward testimony that something must be done by man. And baptism is an outward testimony in coming out of the water that something must be done by man. And both circumcision and baptism carry the message that to do nothing is the worst thing you can do. It's wrong. And for a person to just do nothing about his sinfulness and just kind of coast through life, getting over one obstacle after another the best he can, something must be done. And that something is stated in John 1.12, as many as received him, to them gave he the power or the authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's something that has to be done is to come to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, become a child of God by trusting in him. But there's a price to be paid. There's a price to be paid for circumcision. There's a price to be paid for baptism by identifying with the people of God. And then in verse 13, there's an interesting statement that God makes when he talks about, he that is born in thy house, he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised. So what God is saying here, showing to Abraham, is that Abraham, when you have these people brought into your house, they're not just there to be your servants and to do for you. They are your responsibility. You have the responsibility to bring them the knowledge of God. And so you don't just be circumcised for your immediate family and teach about what all that meant. No, you do that for people who have been bought with thy money. They're happy to be in your house. And so he tells them that. And then in verse 14, he says, he brings up this concept new here. In verse 14, he's raised this issue, and it's the issue of being cut off, of being severed. In verse 14, and the uncircumcised man, child whose flesh or his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. So what God is saying here is that there can be no person in Abraham's house that might be a natural son of Abraham or one as one born in his house. There's nobody who could not be cut off. This is concept, the possibility of being cut off. And just to be born in Abraham's house was not enough to go to heaven. And just to be born Jewish is not enough to go to heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ said to a Jewish person, not just a Jewish person, the ruler of the Jewish people, a ruler of the Jewish people, that it was not enough for him to, or anyone to be born Jewish. That's what we just read in John 3, 3, when Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In the first five, Jesus answered and 
Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter. He can't see it. He can't enter into the kingdom of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ said that to a ruler of the Jewish people, that you must be born again. His Jewish birth did not exempt him from the requirement of you must be born again. It was uh, The Jewish birth was only in the flesh. And what is born of the flesh is flesh. And it dies. And he had to go on to be born again of the Spirit in order to go to heaven. And a person may be born into a Christian family, a Christian home. And he may start off in the right direction, but then be cut off. As the New Testament has other phrases uh, instead of being cut off, one of the phrases the New Testament uses is fall away, fall away. And that's the phrase that's used in Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. For it's impossible for those who were once enlightened, who have tasted of the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away, cut off, fall away, to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open chain. But God doesn't want us to worry, to, oh my, I'm going to fall away, and what's going to happen? He doesn't want us to you know, worry about being cut off from eternal life. So he uses another phrase, and that's also a phrase, drawing back. Fall away, drawing back. In Hebrews 10, 38 to 39, where it says, The just shall live by faith if any man draw back. That's cut off. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now, we find in verse 18, a very heart-wrenching prayer of Abraham. Abraham says, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Now, this prayer has a couple of sides to it. First of all, we've seen in verse 17 how the natural man, Abraham, laughed at God, as Sarah did also later on. She denied it, but God said, no, you laughed, and mocked God. And we see further the natural man in verse 18 where Abraham is saying, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. So the natural man in Abraham has not received this promise of God. He found it to be the laughing foolishness. And now, instead, he turns to Ishmael, and he says, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. God's promise to have a son with his wife, Sarah, Abraham now turns to the sinking ship, the SS Ishmael. (laughs) And he sees that ship going down, because now all the emphasis is on the sun, and he tries to promote his sinking ship. Ishmael, the son of his flesh, Ishmael, Abraham, and Sarah's natural solution to have a son. And notice in verse 16 how God made this promise to Abraham about Sarah, I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. So with God's promise of a son in mind, now you look in verse 16 too, and says, and Sarah said unto Abraham, behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee going into my maid, this is the chapter before, maybe I may obtain children by her. So Sarah made a promise to Abraham. See, God made a promise to Abraham. Sarah made a promise to Abraham that he would have a son. And so now Abraham hears God say in Genesis 17, 16, I will give thee, Natan, a son of her. So Abraham, now he's got two promises in his ears. He's got the promise of Sarah going into my maid, and maybe I'll obtain children by her. He got the promise of God. I will give thee a son of her. Promises Sarah, Abraham heard it, the natural man. Abraham responded to it, and that's where Ishmael came from. But Abraham is just not ready to abandon Ishmael, so he says, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Oh, that my way might be God's way, he's saying there. 
And so often we do what Abraham does. We do something that God never led us to do, and we might even say, God told me to do this, you know? And then God in heaven says, I did? I don't remember that. And then when it becomes obvious that God didn't tell and God didn't lead, then we, like Abraham, we want God to change his ways, his plans, and bless our way. After we've made a mess of it, we try to promote our sinking ship with the, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And can't you just imagine this? This is a very sad picture, verse 18. Very sad picture, Abraham pleading to God for his sinking ship. And Abraham to go on there because he didn't wait on God. So that's a big lesson for us. We shouldn't go through this. But there's another side to this heart-wrenching prayer of Abraham for Ishmael. See what Abraham is really asking for Ishmael when he says, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Abraham is anxious for his son, Ishmael. It is his son, after all. He's anxious because he's afraid that Ishmael is going to be left out of having everlasting life. He's going to be left out of having eternal life. So Abraham does what any father would do for his son to have a life with God. He's pleading with God. And Abraham's prayer of, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee, is born out of this sincere desire for Ishmael to have eternal life. So when Abraham is praying, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee, it's the prayer of a heart that's broken. That's the same prayer that Paul had in Romans 10.1 for the Jewish people when he said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. That's Paul's anxiety for the Jewish people. That's Paul praying the same thing for the Jewish people that Abraham prayed for his son. Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And Abraham knew exactly what he was asking because he used those two words at the end, before thee. Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. See, when Abraham prayed, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee, Abraham was saying that there is no eternal life apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. And Abraham, when he prayed that Ishmael might live before thee, Abraham was saying that no one can have eternal life except by coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. When Abraham prays that Ishmael might live before thee. Abraham is saying that. And that's what he said. The Lord Jesus said in John 5, 40, you will not come to me that you might have life. And so when we look down to verse 25, we read that Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised. So that means that when Abraham was praying this prayer for Ishmael, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee, Abraham had watched his son for 13 years. And those 13 years, Abraham watched Ishmael, and Abraham became increasingly concerned about the spiritual condition of his son Ishmael. And during those 13 years, Abraham's afraid. Ishmael's not going God's way. Ishmael's going the way of the world, away from God. And he's got good reason to fear for Ishmael, because what we're going to find out later on in Genesis 21.9, where it reads, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, that's Ishmael, which she bore unto Abraham, mocking. So when they were making a party for God's promised son, he was out there mocking, mocking the promises of God. In that verse, Ishmael is not called the son of Abraham. He's called the son of Hagar, the Egyptian. He's acting like an Egyptian. And there, Ishmael is not rejoicing. And so we can see in Abraham's house has some real problems because of Ishmael. And in verse 19, we see how God answers the prayer. God's prayer of, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. 
God answers it. His answer is that Isaac is going to have eternal life. Verse 19, God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. I'll establish my covenant with him for an everlasting, that was the issue, covenant, and with a seed after him. So God's answer to Abraham was for Abraham to turn his eyes to Sarah, who he calls Sarah thy wife. Remember her, Abraham, your wife? And when Abraham heard God say about Sarah, thy wife, again, he thinks, I never should have had the baby with Hagar because she's not my wife. And notice in verse 19 what God said to Abraham. So when Abraham heard this thing that Sarah's going to bear a son, Abraham thinks, you know, God made me one with Sarah, my wife, so that she can bear me a son, so that God might obtain from my oneness with Sarah a godly seed a godly seed. That's exactly what God said in Malachi 2.15. And did not he make one, yet had the residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. That's what God wants from a husband and wife who are believers. God wants to seek from them a godly seed. Now notice in verse 20 how God said, He heard Abraham's prayer. He says that. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. You don't have to say it again, Abraham. I heard you the first time. Behold, I blessed him, make him fruitful, multiply him exceedingly, 12 princes, great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac. So in verse 20, God says to Abraham, I give you the answer. I heard your prayer, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And notice in verse 20, God said that he was going to bless Ishmael. He was going to make him a great people, But God did not give Abraham the answer he wanted. Abraham asked God for Ishmael to have everlasting life by living before the everlasting God. And in verse 20, God did not tell Abraham that Ishmael would live forever. As a matter of fact, about the matter of of everlasting, you see in verse 21 how God redirected Abraham to look to Isaac, his son, about this everlasting life matter. And then it says the answer from God was not the answer that Abraham wanted. And Abraham had prayed that prayer, oh, that Ishmael lived before thee. And Abraham didn't get the answer he wanted from God. And Abraham wanted God to say, Ishmael will live before me forever, but he didn't. And God didn't tell him that. So God told Abraham in verse 21, Isaac's going to live forever. And as any father would do, Abraham would not accept no for an answer. And just as Abraham is about to go back, and I know what this is like. I have a son like this. <laughs> it doesn't accept no, it doesn't matter. But anyway, is about to go back and ask again. And then in verse 22, when Abraham is just going to go back again and plead for his son, we read in verse 22, and he, this is God, and he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. So verse 22 for Abraham is really the statement of the conversation has ended. You know, I don't want to say that in verse 22, God hung up on Abraham, but let's just say that Abraham heard the dial tone. (laughs) And Abraham is standing there saying, hello, hello, (laughs) are you there, God? You know, and sometimes when we don't get the answer we want from God, God says to us, I know you don't like the answer you got from me, but that's my answer. And I don't want you to keep speaking to me about it anymore. And then we have to be like Abraham and accept that what we don't want to hear. And from verse 22, Abraham heard the matter was closed and he wasn't to bring it up again. And even though Abraham didn't want it, he had to accept it. And sometimes it happens to us. And that happened to Moses. You know, remember Moses lost his temper 
at the rock. And he struck the rock when he should have spoken to it. And that made God angry, made God mad. And as a punishment to Moses, God told him, you can't go in the land. He said, I know it's your life work, but you can't go. You can't go in. And Moses kept bringing it up over and over again for God to change his mind. And Moses got his Genesis 17:22 response in Deuteronomy 3:26, where we read, but the Lord, Moses speaking, but the Lord was wroth, he was angry, with me for your sakes and would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter. And just as God tells us sometimes, so God told Abraham in Genesis 17:22 what God told Moses in Deuteronomy 3.26, speak no more unto me about this matter. And, and, and I know exactly this, what this is going on now. Now, then what happened, now God is gone, and it comes verse 23, and now it's Abraham's response. So first, we see here that while Abraham was able, before Abraham himself was circumcised, and, I don't, and oh, by the way, you know who circumcised Abraham? I'll tell you, I don't know. <laughs> but Abraham takes a knife in hand and he circumcises Ishmael that's 13 years old. Don't ask me if Ishmael had any anesthetic. I don't know that either. And he takes a knife in hand, Abraham does, and he circumcises all the men. And Abraham is 99 years old. Don't try to picture it. And then Abraham is circumcised. And that's just one dramatic day in Abraham's household. That's unbelievable. And those men were pretty sore for a few weeks in Abraham's household. And there's a statement about what happened, and it's made twice for emphasis to us, for us to get it. And that statement is found first in verse 23, and it's repeated in verse 26. What's the statement? A couple words. Verse 23 and 26. All you got to do is just look for words that are the same in both verses. That's it. Self-same day. That's the emphasis on this whole thing. Self-same day. That was so striking of what happened. Abraham was told by God, circumcised. And Abraham doesn't say, well, let me think about this a little bit. I have a son. We know he had 400 men that went to battle. There probably was 200 boys. I don't know, 100, 200 boys. Let's say there was 100 boys. And so Abraham is thinking, I got 400 men. I got 100 boys. I got Ishmael. I got over 500 people. And Abraham didn't say, you know, I need a day to plan this out. This is no small operation, no pun intended. This is no small situation here. They said, we need some time to get all this ready. 500 surgical procedures. We don't even do that at Grossman Hospital. 500 surgical procedures done in one day. That's quite an ordeal. And no, but it says on the self-same day that God told Abraham to circumcise, Abraham goes out and circumcised 500 men. Can you imagine those 500 men? And Ishmael, and you know, Abraham emerges from his meeting from God, and they say, and what did the Lord give you today in your devotions? <laughs> and Abraham smiles and says, what do you should ask? He says, I have a surprise for you. <laughs> and a challenge. And those men might have said, you know, when Abraham goes and talks with God, it really costs us. Let's keep him from doing nothing. <laughs> but no one in Abraham's house ever said no. That's the amazing thing. And also another thing they never said, no one in Abraham's house ever said it was boring to live in Abraham's house. He just never knew what a new day was going to bring. And that's true for us as Christians. 
that yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. To live as a dedicated follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is never boring. It's a life of surprises and challenges. And what made Abraham who he was? What made Abraham the man he was are those words, the self-same day. No hesitations with Abraham. God told him what he needed to do, and Abraham did it the self-same day. You know, oh, that we might be self-same day Christians, that we would say, at any time, at any cost, nothing held back. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the example we have here of Abraham, and we pray that you would make us, Lord, to be self-same day Christians that respond to you with the way Abraham did. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051.